Hi, welcome back to the Kodokoroki Connection. Today's guest is Amas, who loves food, who's inspired by food. He actually started the first halal restaurant week in America. I met him at this space called Flamagine, which is hosting some uh, authentic Austin love event. Uh, and yeah, I just ran into Amas. She looks like a very cool person. Amas, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Um, it's Abbas here, and uh, uh, my, bad, my bad. All good, all good, <laughs> and um, yeah, happy, happy to be here with you guys. Okay, awesome, Abbas. What kind of things inspire you? Um, honestly, like I could say, I'm addicted to food. I can't go a single day without it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it's not just about like fuel for me, but it's about. Um, tasting love that someone puts into it it's about sharing bounties with others it's about how you show love to yourself in your own body and the most inspiring is that food is a way to tell a story it's a way to tell your story in a way that absolutely no one else on the earth can ever replicate fascinating the the story of the creator of the food? It is, a, it is a story that is both individual and global at the same time. I mean, oh. like, let's take, a, let's take an example of rice, for example, right? Um, I can tell you that, for example, when I make rice, I love to use leftover rice that's been a day or two days old. And I'll get a giant stick of grass-fed butter and throw a bunch of diced up garlic and then add the cold old rice into it to make a garlic fried rice. And that's my absolutely favorite uh, type of rice. And now I first had this at a Filipino restaurant. And, um, and rice is eaten in many different ways. One of the most interesting, fascinating ways that um that i found is like rice porridges um so for example you may be familiar with kanji and kanji is rice that is overcooked to the point where it becomes part of the soup and part of the broth and it becomes a rice porridge and what's interesting is that the saudis have a dish called jirish which is very similar so what you find is similar dishes pop up around the world and so it tells a story of like yeah these are the flavors of me these are flavors of my family and of my people of my heritage but also you get to see that this is part of the human um experience like let's go to uh mexico and have uh arroz caldo let's go to you know uh china and have kanji let's go to the middle east and have jirish these are very far places from each other and yet you're having a similar dish in each of these places wow and so it's it's the it's a story as old as time right like it's argued that humans really started to truly develop once we invented fire because that meant that we could cook our food and cooking our food allowed us to access a lot more nutrients in that food Um, for instance in meat and cooking vegetables we got things out of that that we didn't otherwise and those things you know in this according to this theory at least bolstered our brain's ability to function and to comprehend things and to and to start having complex thought patterns and so that's really i mean it's a story of the human evolution as well and it's my story to you is you know if you if you come to my house and i make something and i and i feed it to you and i'm telling you my story as well and i can't tell you this is my story without also saying this is a story of my parents and my grandparents 
And then you get into the stories of migration, you know, like I was born in Kenya, but um, I mean, if you're hearing my voice, you can't see that I'm actually brown, like Pakistani. <laughs> um, but I'm five generations ago, my family found itself in Kenya. And so what are Kenyan Pakistan, your Kenyan Indian foods like? So it's a story of human migration is a story of human movement. Um, and the story of human movement itself is a story of human geopolitics oh, that make people move. Yeah, so I was born in Kenya, my dad, his mom, and like so on. So it goes up five generations. So they immigrated from Pakistan in the 19th century? It, it wasn't even Pakistan when they immigrated because Pakistan became country, Pakistan and India became countries in 1947. It was like British. It was British India for yeah. hundreds of years before that. And so when they moved to kenya kenya was also part of the british empire oh and so brown people got um basically were still subjects of the queen and so when these countries got their independence a large number of my family actually moved to the uk um and because of their status of being subjects of the queen or whatever their status was they were able to get access to government programs uh um welfare programs different social welfare programs and through that over the course of a generation start building businesses building communities and finding success that way and so even that story of going from pakistan to kenya to the uk to now to america um, and my mom was born and raised in Saudi Arabia. So you can imagine all of those generations of stories that just melt into this giant buffet of flavors and spices and stories, you know? Wow. Dang, I haven't thought about food in that way. Wow, that's inspiring me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and food is, I mean, food is everything. Food is nourishment. Food is fuel. Food is, you know, like I said, food is love. And ultimately, that's something that I keep coming back to. Um, and for me, it started when I was in Boy Scouts and we were at camping um, uh, for a weekend. And we were responsible of for cooking for ourselves. And I'm like 15, 16. I don't know what I'm doing. But that was that's a great way to learn is when you have to, like, feed yourself and a bunch of Boy Scouts for a weekend, you know. Oh. Oh, you're, you're cooking for everyone else. You're, yeah. you're cooking. Like, the troop would be broken up into smaller groups called patrols, and each patrol would have five or six people. Oh. And, of course, there was adult supervision, but they are all about teaching independence, so they would kind of hang back while you all figure out, you know, your stuff. And so oh. that's really where I got a lot of my confidence from was um, cooking out in the out. And still, to this day, my favorite kitchen that I've ever cooked in, that I love to cook in, is in the outdoors with a beautiful view. You know? Very cool. Huh. Yeah. Oh, food, food is love cooking outdoors. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, then, and then here's another thing, too, is um, food is a language of romance. Like, when you first want to get to know someone romantically, where do you go? Yeah, you go on a date. And if you really want to impress this person, you put a lot of thought about what food we're going to get into. Mm. Maybe you want to be like, hey, I like to spend big money. You go out to an expensive sushi place. You're sending a certain message. Or maybe you're like, hey, I want to go to a hole-in-a-wall and eat tacos. And that also tells a certain message about who you are. You know, and so getting into the romance of it, getting into dates, like that's all around food. 
if you go to a party like i if i go to a party and there's no food i'm like well we're it's not really a party is it you know fascinating so Uh, usually for my days i I like making homemade food and usually it goes horribly wrong so Uh i've learned to stop doing this because (laughs) the food i make is universally disliked by my friends oh no i love it and i'm like i don't get any respect listen as long as you love it that's what matters you know from your voice to your own ears if your heart is happy and your stomach is full that's life that's the the beauty of life like what more could you want Thank you. I feel validated. Yeah, no, absolutely. And hey, I mean, ultimately, I realize that a lot of cooking is about confidence. Cooking itself is not that difficult. But when you doubt yourself in the kitchen, your ingredients can sense it. Okay. You know, when you are, there are people who like are very control freak and like everything has to be very, very 100% by the recipe. And so that comes from a place of anxiety. And so if you have anxiety while you're cooking, your ingredients are going to feel that. They're going to sense that. They're going to pick up on that, you know? Or when there's critical people in the kitchen who have, like, varying opinions on Yeah, I have a particular inspiration preference. Right, exactly. I mean, like, the phrase, too many cooks, what does that mean, right? So that flavors, they confuse each other. Exactly. Not aligned with one story yeah yeah one story to shine through wonderful now let's get back to your story which is what this podcast episode is about so yeah food inspires you uh what let's say you're like in kind of like a mess state what kind of things can you do in under five minutes to get yourself into an inspired state um can i answer with the same answer and talk about food again (laughs) (laughs) You can cook yourself up a cup of tea, depending on what kind of mood you're in, you're going to pick a different tea. And also if you have different kinds of honeys, because honeybees are going to make the honey based on whatever flowers they have access to. And so there's different kinds of honey based on the hives that they come from. So if you have like five different kinds of tea and five different kinds of honey, you have all these different possible combinations that you can make. Some are great for if you need a pick-me-up. Some are great if you are too up and you need to calm down, right? Um, I love coffee. A cup of coffee will take four minutes um, in a French press or in a pour-over. Um, I love that coffee always gets c- completely shifts my mind state. Um, other things that are really simple and slept on, people think, oh, if it's something simple, then it might not be worth it. But like really good bread from a store that you really like. Like mm. I love sourdough mm. and I love ciabatta. What's ciabatta? Ciabatta, it's. I mean, I know the shape of it. I don't. I don't. I don't know too much about the bread science about what goes into it. Baking and cooking, I see as two separate crafts, and baking is something I've. I haven't even dipped my toes in. What culture is ciabatta associated? With? Uh, I think ciabatta sounds Italian. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh. So like ciabatta with like a slice of mozzarella you tote lightly toast it with some butter slice of mozzarella a little bit of basil a slice of tomato flaky salt a little olive oil balsamic vinaigrette you got like a caprese sandwich oh and you can make that within five minutes you know what i mean and all the ingredients like you don't have to heat it up or cook it you know you just Just throw it in and there you go you know oh oh, that's the best so there's a little recipe for your podcast you just carry it with you like in a backpack 
you know you know what's so funny speaking of like carrying things with you i once found a deal it was seven avocados for a dollar what it was um it was out like out there in like farmland and because it was like right from the farm so it was a lot really cheap goodness and so but seven avocados is a lot and as you know like once avocado is ripe you have a very short amount of time to eat it right yeah and so what I what I did was I just I hooked a carabiner around the bag and on my belt, <laughs> and everywhere I went, every class, every meeting, everywhere I went, I would just take out an avocado. I love that. I would cut it open with my pocket knife. Oh, and then nice. I had a Ziploc bag full of salt and pepper, and then I also had a bag of limes. I would cut open the lime and sprinkle the lime on top. Amazing. I would literally go to class like a 500 person lecture, sit all the way in the back and take out my avocados, my knife, my lime and my salt and pepper. (laughs) And people looking at me like, what are you doing? Brilliant. So that's yeah. So that's I ate a lot of avocados that week. Wow. Yeah, yeah, good time. That's quite the setup. How many avocados did you buy? That I only got one bag, but I only okay. had one day to eat it. So <laughs> every meeting, every class that day, I was just eating uh, avocados, you know. And when did you start carrying limes and salt and pepper in a Ziploc bag? Yeah, because the thing is, like, with the avocado, I don't want to eat it plain, you know? Yeah. So even just a little bit of salt, pepper, and citrus on it brings mm. so much of the flavor out, you know? All right. You got to go all out, okay. you know? Do, do you still carry salt and pepper to this day? <laughs> <laughs> Only when I have an abundance of avocados uh, and I'm walking around, you know? Well, yeah. you never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. I, I, I've already ate it, but I, I was carrying around uh, seaweed snacks. So I ate oh, some seaweed nice. earlier. Love that. Oh, yeah. Rusted seaweed. That's salt and pepper there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Wow. We are rolling. Um, <laughs> the next question is, what kind of advice would you give yourself in 10 years in 10 years yeah your future self what advice would i give myself in 10 years like even if your future self was your ideal self you would still need some kind of reminder right some some kind of like blast from the past yeah what would you tell yourself honestly it would just be it would just come down to two things number one is, is always find a body of water when you're feeling overwhelmed. Body of water? Oh, tell me about that. Just, it could be a lake, it could be a creek, it could be a beach, it could be anything. Find a body of water, be near it whenever you're feeling overwhelmed. And the second thing is to let your feet touch grass as often as possible. Yeah. Dang. How does the body of water and touching grass help you when you're overwhelmed it reminds me that i'm here because when i'm overwhelmed it's usually because i'm overthinking if i'm overthinking i'm not here if that makes sense uh, it keeps you grounded it, yeah literally literally, yeah. literally keeps you grounded <laughs> like it's, it's that simple it's literally you want to feel grounded ground the ground find the ground be there and the body of water is just always reminds me that no matter how big I think my worries are, no matter how big I think my stresses are, the ocean is so much bigger. And I just, I visualize myself sort of just channeling all of my stress, anxiety, all the, all the negative emotions into that body of water. And I say, thank you for holding this so that I don't have to. Then when I leave that meditation or I leave that 
that body of water, that lake, I feel like I left a weight there and I feel lighter. Left a weight in the water. The water carries the water the carries weight. the weight. Yeah. And wow. the water can carry the weight. The water can carry so much. It's wonderful. Yeah. And uh, what piece of advice would your past self give to you now? Yourself maybe from ten years ago. From ten years ago, let's see, I was twenty one. <laughs> Um, I wasn't, I wasn't the smartest when I was 21, but what advice that I would give from 21 to, to me right now would be to, no matter how old you get or how old you think you are, or how many responsibilities you have, do not ever stop being curious about life. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I think that's the advice I would give myself. Yeah, I I just remember I was very curious and very involved and just wanting to learn about everything. And once you get so many responsibilities and a job and a kid and like everything weighs down and life becomes logistics and there's no room for creativity and for curiosity and for you know for that. So it's literally yeah, just stay curious, stay curious. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, before we close, what's one question you would want me to ask future podcast people? Um, just because I'm a foodie, I would love to know what are people's favorite foods? What are they feeling that day? What are they craving, you know? Mm. Are they into tacos or are they really thinking about a burger or maybe some like sushi fine dining, you know? Yeah. How would you answer that question? Honestly, right now I could go for some sushi. Yeah, oh, right <laughs> I love sushi and poke. Yeah. Oh, fascinating! Can't go wrong with with yeah. a poke bowl, you know. This is coming from like a, a, a Kenyan Pakistani background. Like, well, I mean, like, sushi and poke is completely Japanese. It has nothing yeah. to do with those at all. But uh, how did uh, um, how do you think it like connects to your story? So I I lived in California from 2005 till 2022. So that's oh. 17 years. And oh, wow. the California food scene, so much of it is about freshness. And being so close to the ocean as well, um, as well as a ton of agriculture being in California. So much of America's agriculture is in California. So I think just being around fresh ingredients, being in the Bay Area and being in a, in a place where I'm able to encounter people of so many different backgrounds and like i said the the food is stories and this is how i learn about other cultures through the food as well and so california has some really kick-ass sushi spots and pokey spots and the fish is fresh from the ocean and the greens are fresh from the farm and so that freshness of it, it that i think is where it comes from is like just it's it's funny because i've never been to japan but i think my time in California is where that love of sushi comes wow. from. Where in the Bay Area? Were you in Nessa? Um, I lived in Oakland for a bit and okay. mostly in the East Bay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Think of like Japantown. Yeah. Nice, nice. Right. And there's some amazing, amazing places. There's a Japantown in San Francisco. There's a Japantown in, in San Jose as well. Oh. And then just throughout, there's tons of amazing sushi places. There's actually, I found a place that's here in Austin, uh, in the Mule area called Marafugu Ramen. Oh, 
Oh wait, Marfugu, that's like a nationwide thing, right? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's one in SF, yeah. there's one in Oakland, and there's I was so happy to find one here. Yeah. It's so good. It's amazing. Okay. Right. Neat. Uh, yeah. Before we close, is there anything you wanted to say left? Um, uh, I think you asked some really great questions, and that shows me that you are very curious about you life. Some really great answers. I <laughs> thank you, and I I applaud you for staying curious and and for connecting with people. I think what you're doing is really amazing, and 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 a lot of people would benefit from from embodying the spirit of what you're doing. And incorporating that into their own lives. Oh, thank you so much, Abbas. Yeah, of uh, Abbas, right? Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, thank you so much for coming to our show. Yeah, yeah.